We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. everybody to week 16 the solo ship single entry strategy show i'm squirrel patrol jm to win uh jm i i just was in new orleans uh last weekend for the dk live final yeah so uh i waited to ask you how you did and i asked you before we came on air and you said let's talk about it on air how yeah, was, was the weekend my, my it was a great weekend um uh, my results i was 53rd and 90th out of 200 um, so I'm okay with that. I, I had two entries out of 200. You know, I placed one in about the top 25, uh, the other in, in the top half. But the the real sweat uh, was I finished third in the $20 DK Millimaker. No way! And then sixth in the uh, FanDuel Fan Championship. So nice. I actually ended up paying much more than the yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> you were, were sweating something very different from everybody else uh, yeah. at the at the live final. If if Ramondre Stevenson had scored one long touchdown, let's say if he just kept running instead of um, pitching the ball yeah. back, I would have won both million makers. <laughs> Wild man! So uh, how do you play? Do you max the million maker every week? I do. I general well. I, I generally do. So I mean, if it's like a you know five, fifteen, twenty dollar on DraftKings, I do. The, the FanDuel Fan Championship was something I'd been accumulating tickets from like both football and NBA since August. So I actually had 136 tickets okay. for that. Um, and then I just bought the final 14 entries. Um, the uh, DraftKings, sometimes, like if I, you know, if I, if I feel good about a slate, I'll, I'll max out the, the $20 nice. million maker, like the four, $4,000 ones. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, I've actually, we'll maybe talk about this next week, but I'm curious your thoughts on qualifiers too, because um I thought of them. Well, actually, let's talk about it right now. Uh, I stopped playing qualifiers years ago because, in my mind, you know, the cost of the ticket is also like pays for the trip as well, right? So, in that, in that, from that standpoint, I was like, well, maybe it's negative EV to be playing these. And then I talked to some other people who they were like, well, it's plus EV for me because like I use this to build up my brand. But you're not like a big brand builder upper. So, uh, what's the thoughts on the qualifiers? Because you you attack them, you win a lot of the seats, right? Um, do you have any concern about the like the expected value of those when you're paying for the cost of the trip as well? 
Not really, because I go on the trip and I, I enjoy that as well. Um, I really, it, it comes down to, I just have been profitable, like wildly profitable at these things Yeah, you know, since I started playing them in 2018. I do think I actually started at a good time. So I, and I didn't know it at the time, but I started trying to qualify for live finals at the time that a lot of uh, other players like who were better than me stopped playing. Um, so I, I just, you know, had a, a few strings of getting the max seats on Fandle and I'm, I'm not as efficient at it now as I, as I was, but I think it was maybe 2018, 2020, I, I was getting five, six Fandle basketball seats in 25 tries. Like yeah. I, I'd max it out before they were done a quarter of the contest. Um, and that just is, and then I, you know, I won the first one I ever went to, which was like Fandle baseball final. Um, and I kind of say like the rest is history. Like I was hooked from that point on, um, you know, and especially then being able to, to max out the seats and then moved on to, to DraftKings. I've, I've maxed out the seats there a couple of times, I think with basketball. Um, or I, th- I think I've gotten five seats with football once during the, the virtual final at home. Um, and then I, I think I've gotten the max seats once for basketball. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I miss doing the live finals. Uh, I think the last time I chased live finals was 2017. Um, I missed the live finals, but I just, I haven't gotten back to them. Plus, you know, with like family and kids and everything right before Christmas, the football ones are a little tougher, but then I've also, uh, then the MM, the Millie maker, I've typically stayed away from, like I've played as many as 40 entries, maybe like four or five times. I've never done more than that. Um, I was somewhat randomly, fortunately had a, a, like a 12th place finish and like a couple other like top 50 finishes on the few weekends I played it, but so much of the money's in first place that I typically haven't chased that. Right. But I've, started doing the MME stuff on the slant this year. And I think uh, five weeks that I max entered the slant and had, I don't know, 14 rosters finished in the top 100 uh, roster finished 10th, you know, like five or six finished top 40 or 50. And so then I started thinking, you know, obviously Millie maker is very much first place or nothing, but I started thinking, well, there is like, I do have my mind works in such a way that I can build for first place in these contests. Right. And, uh, maybe that's something I'll pursue a little bit more next year. But yeah, I just I've not been an MME guy until this last couple months, and then uh, because of that, never really attacked the Millie Maker. But yeah, interesting that you play that mo- not every week, but a lot of the time because yeah, it's something I've generally avoided. Yeah, and I, I like to have a one fifty set on both FanDuel and DraftKings, and actually, I usually intend to enter that one fifty set on DraftKings and either a qualifier, like they'll have a eight or $10 qualifier, $12 qualifier. It's 150 entries max. And you don't have as much of a, as good of a chance. Like you might just be playing 1% of the entries in that instead of 3% where in, you know, in the, in a, like a $5,000 qualifier, there's only 14 entries. Yeah. For DraftKings. Um, but I like that 150 set for both FanDuel and DraftKings in, in NFL. And I had actually intended to enter that 150 set into like the slant as well, which I, I presume would have won the slant, you know, if I finished third in the, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, I, you know, yeah, it's a single entry show, but I, I do, I do do MME as well. And I found it's a way it's the best results I've had for football for MME is if I have a, an idea for a one roster or for a yeah, absolutely. Roster. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then just, it's all variations off of that. Um, but it, those variations then, get players that wouldn't necessarily be on my radar if I was, you know, it's the difference between single entry and, and MME. You know, it might just be a defense, right? Like I'm, I've got one set of, you know, core players and then it's 
cycling through the defenses and against defenses I wouldn't have considered otherwise. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point and, and key to bring up on a single entry show. Um, you know, several of these weeks where I've done really well in the slant, my my main build or one of my main builds, one of like my three max builds ended up as like my second or fourth or fifth best out of my 150 rosters. And that's because like a big chunk of my rosters are built off of like, Hey, well, here's this core that I found that I really like for single entry and then kind of mix and match some things. So uh, the week where I finished 10th in the slant, it was like one of my hand built rosters. that was a variation of my main build. My main build finished like fourth best out of 150. One of my three max finished third best. Uh, and then the uh, another week where I had several like up in the top 50, it was a variation off of my main, but it had like, you know, Zay Jones was on there when he wasn't on my main, like a couple other guys like that that weren't on my tighter builds, but were in my large field builds and made the difference in like that extra boost up the leaderboard. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, that single entry mindset carries over really nicely to MME because like I said, I don't like... I've, I've been in this industry for nine years. I've had a lot of conversations with sharp players about MME, but I, I came into my MME stuff with essentially no experience in MME play and like hit the floor running. It's been like very profitable for me through just five, six weeks of MME play, right? Where, where it's like, oh, but it's because I know what I'm doing largely from like how to apply this single entry mindset over to that. Uh, I think it's a very interesting kind of uh, discussion there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've, I really started as an MME player. I, I remember playing on DraftKings when there was no 150 limit and like hitting on roster like 373 out of 425 or something, right? Uh, in, in a baseball contest on DraftKings. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still think like you obviously have to know, like if you MME wrong, you'll lose money 150 times faster. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly, exactly. That's what yeah. when people say, well, yeah, like, uh, you know, Pete Overzet has that in his intro. He's like, if I had 150 lineups, I'd win two, right? Like, because it's, it's like kind of a funny thing if you really understand it, because you're like, yeah, you just, if you're not playing well, you're just going to lose money that much faster playing 150 lineups. Like, doing 150 lineups well is it's taking a lot of the same things that apply to profitable play in single entry or limited entry. And then it's just saying, okay, now let's apply this to more builds let's increase the sample size by applying solid play to more builds um which i guess brings us to this week where i think one of the interesting components this week is there's not gonna be a lot of 30 point scores available something we've had a lot this season uh weather games in several in a couple spots and then a lot of high rush play rate teams uh, and then we've got derrick henry who's gone for 200 plus yards and two plus touchdowns in four straight games against uh, against the Texans. So I see that as the key decision point on this slate. I'm going to tell you how I'm seeing it. And I, I want to get your thoughts. So the way I'm seeing it is if Derrick Henry fails, he still probably scores 20 points, right? Because they don't want Malik Willis to do the ball 10 and 16 times in his two starts. Like Derrick Henry's going to get 25 to 30 carries. The only way he doesn't is if the Texans jump out to a big lead, which is highly unlikely, or if they're just like the Titans just don't have the ball. The only way he doesn't rush for 100 yards is if the Texans jump out to a big lead or if Derrick Henry gets like 25 to 30 carries and doesn't crack 100 yards, right? So in my mind, if I'm not playing Derrick Henry, I'm still giving him 100 yards and a touchdown and still saying, okay, I have to compete against people who got 20 points from Derrick Henry, 23 points, whatever. Um, in my mind, the clearest way to then 
if there aren't a lot of 30 pointers available, the clearest way to move past the Derrick Henry rosters, if he scores 20 to 25, is to get the 30 pointer that the Derrick Henry rosters don't have. The clearest way to get a 30 pointer that those rosters don't have is Christian McCaffrey or Justin Jefferson, because most of those rosters won't have those guys. Similarly, if Derrick Henry hits for 35 points, the clearest way to move ahead of all the other Derrick Henry rosters, if you have Derrick Henry, is to have the guy who scores 35 plus as well, which again highlights Christian McCaffrey and Justin Jefferson. So I see this slate as like, if I'm not playing Derrick Henry, my clearest path to first place is to play Jefferson or CMC. If I'm playing Derrick Henry, my clearest path to first place is to also play Jefferson or CMC. Uh, I like Jefferson more than CMC. Um, I don't think CMC is some sort of smash play is going to be really highly owned, but it's not even so much about like, oh, I really like these plays this week so much as it's just the strategy and theory tells me that regardless of what I think individually about these plays, like it just points me to, if I'm not playing Henry, consider these guys. If I'm playing Henry, consider these guys. Uh, So yeah, that's kind of how I've been seeing this week's slate. Curious your thoughts on that and anything else you've been seeing on top of that. So it's interesting. We're doing this show for the first time the day before the slate, uh, just because it's Saturday slate. And, you know, we usually record on Fridays. So it, it seems like chalk is like concentrating way more I don't know if it's just because we're just one day closer to the slate itself, um, but I'm seeing a lot of chalk centered around the, the Giants-Minnesota game. Um, Justin Jefferson, and it's not even Dalvin Cook. It's it's like Justin Jefferson, which is fine. Like, yeah, Jeff, Jefferson's a great play. Um, like Richie James and like Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones. And um, I don't know how I feel about like Richie James chalk week. Uh, so <laughs> I guess one of the, the first things that strikes out to me is like if you start running optimal or aggregated optimal lineups from around the industry, you start seeing, uh, it looks like game stacks of the, the Giants, Minnesota. Like it's Daniel Jones, Slayton, uh, Richie James, running back with Justin Jefferson uh, and TJ Hawkinson as well. So that's something that like the first thing that, that you know, strikes me about the slate. Um, I do think that Derek Henry is a, a key decision point on, on FanDuel. He's the most expensive flex player. I think, I, I think most expensive player um, by a few hundred, by 400 over Christian McCaffrey. But I mean, his his scoring kind of sets up better on FanDuel, so it's still a little bit tough to get away from. And like you said, there's not a lot of like like blow up spots for players this week. Where like, I mean, yeah, Derrick Henry is facing the Houston rush defense in December. Like, I kind of feel like we've seen the story before. Um, but I, the Malik Willis factor is a, is a little bit of a wrench there. Um, I could see the Houston defense doing really well. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And then um, yeah, then suddenly like you've got a lot of like Derrick Henry rosters that aren't, even if Henry puts up a good game, like it could be the Houston defense that, uh, that is what you had to have possibly. Um, it, it is possible. Like I see a situation, like I, a lot of situations where Derrick Henry, you know, could get 120 yards and a catch. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, then he's just, then he's actually like torpedoing your roster and, and like, he's maybe thinking he had a great NFL game. But like we, we care about the, <laughs> you know, the fantasy points. Um, and like, yeah, 120 or like 14 points isn't going to cut it. Um, and he has like a path to a good NFL game where he doesn't like where he torpedoes rosters. So I think that's something to think about. I do think like the list of guys that could outscore him, go, I, my list kind of goes down a little bit farther than yours. And maybe it's it just the way that you're expressing it. Like I could see Jamar Chase, like Dalvin Cook, um, maybe even Travis Kelsey. Uh, I, there's other guys I could see. Like, yeah, and if Derrick Henry gets that 14 points, that like there's other guys that I would want to have on my roster. Yeah, so I uh, there's other guys too that I think can outscore him. My thought is 
who's the guys who can outscore him that won't be on Derrick Henry rosters, right? And so, like, from that strategy standpoint, as in, like, the Derrick Henry rosters can still fit. I mean, Jamar Chase is 8,300. He's not that much less expensive than Jefferson, but because he is less expensive, like, people would be likelier to end up there, right? Um, Dalvin Cook, substantially less expensive than, than Christian McCaffrey and Justin Jefferson. So, like, you're likelier to see Dalvin Cook on those rosters. So I'm just thinking about, like, who are the guys that the Derrick Henry rosters won't have and it's likely to be these guys um as to the the situation in minnesota i don't get it right tj hawkinson his best game with minnesota is 16 points that's that's at 5900 or 4900 what are we doing there right 11.5 points 8.4 points 7.3 points 8.5 points um one the giants pass catchers well actually let's start here daniel jones has one game this year above 228 passing yards. He has three games this year of two passing touchdowns. He has a bunch of games with no passing touchdowns. The Giants pass catchers as a whole, all four of these core guys have put up one total like score that you would really want in tournaments. And I think I think that the dome with all the weather is part of it, but I think the bigger part of it is the recency bias. I sometimes forget how recency biased people are, but uh, two weeks ago, Kirk Cousins had played 12 games. He'd gone over 300 yards once. All of a sudden, he's thrown for 400-plus in back-to-back games where they were chasing points against Detroit, chasing points against the Colts. And I think everybody's just like, oh, Kirk Cousins is going to put up another 400-yard game. And it's like the, the lens through which people see DFS is so different than the lens through which we see it sometimes, right? Where like uh, like what somebody did last week is practically invisible to me in my decision-making process unless it's a changing role, right? There's no – moment when I see a guy had a big game last week and I'm like, oh, he's going to have a big game again. But the field thinks that way. And I think a lot of it's just that. Whereas like I went through the giant scores on the angles podcast today, but I mean, I can do it real quickly. They scored 20 last week, 22 the week before, 20 the week before, 20 the week before, 18 the week before, 24 the week before, 13, 23, 24. Like this is how this team wins games. They try to keep it close. They try to win in the fourth quarter. They try to tighten up in the red, like teams pick up yards, try to tighten up the red zone. Like the chances of the giants jumping out to a lead against the Vikings and forcing Kirk Cousins to throw for 400 yards is so low that, yeah, I mean, I, I just think, I think there will get decent scores across the board from this game, but Dalvin and Jefferson are the only guys who I see as like compelling tournament plays. Um, I'll also throw this out to you. I don't know if you've seen this, if you read the player grid yet, but uh, Dalvin Cook, three games, four games this year of 26 to 28 points in three of those, Justin Jefferson also hit for 33 plus. So uh, one of those spots, kind of like the old Titans offense, where it's like everybody gets the points because they're just scoring a lot. Uh, Jefferson and Dalvin, a really interesting way to play two popular guys, but nobody will be playing them together. Uh, 75% of the time when Dalvin has hit, Jefferson has also hit. So uh, I think that's an interesting way to go in that game as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so mentioning their recency bias, and I, I fall prey to it myself. Like I, I played Rashid uh, Shahid on one of my live final entries, and he got that 68-yard touchdown. I think it might have been the first touchdown in the slate. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be you know, a great thing. I'm going to know what from here on out. He's 3% owned. And I'm like, I'm going to play him again. Like, I, you know, like, he's going to be like one of my, maybe not core piece, but he's going to be one of my favorite like value pieces, I think, just because he's so fast. And, you know, he, you know, he can get a long touchdown. He's not necessarily affected by the wind. He's not a guy that's catching like 80-yard passes in the air. He's just, you know, taking a screen, screen pass to the house. Um, so he's not necessarily affected by the weather and the wind. Uh, but recency bias is funny when you like miss a slate and suddenly everybody is super high on someone and you're sitting there, why is, why is everybody so high on, on the, you know, this guy, oh, God, can you see it? You know, he had, he had 120 yards last game. And like, I, that's happened to me a few times in my DFS career. I just don't get it. Like, oh, like everybody loves this guy just because of what he did last week or our last game in the, in the NBA. Um, I think with the Minnesota Giants game, and I, I love the idea of playing like Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson together. I think it's the weather impacting things and people are seeing like, oh, it's a dome game. This is one of the games that's not going to be impacted by the weather. But I think I, I think guys can still put up big scores in, in weather games. Um, so I think that's going to be something that's overlooked this week. I also think it's just the pricing of the slate. There's no value and everybody wants to get up to Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey. And then the value is the, the Giants wide receivers. But they, they're so like tenuous. And like, like you said, like, I just can't imagine a slate-breaking score from – Daniel Jones, you know, Darius Slayton and, and Richie James combined. But like I, I will combine them on some rosters and I will, you know, game stack that game in, in some of my like 150 entries. But I think in single entry, it is great to get either away from that game or just get away from the Giants as a whole, uh, just because I think they're going to be super. I, I think we might see like 30% Richie James ownership, which is, which seems crazy. And there's other, there's other value wide receivers out there that, that you can pick or you could just, flip the salary structure a little bit instead of paying up for the, for the big running backs, you pay down um, for, you know, some of the more value running backs. Um, I think like Singletary, uh, you know, Devin Singletary, like Isaiah Pacheco, like these are guys could maybe take away from some of the, you know, more favored quarterbacks as well. Um, and then you pay up well, you have multiple spots at wide receiver, like you play a Justin Jefferson and, and Jamar Chase lineup, um, you know, pay up for some of the wide receivers. So you're just, flipping the salary structure um, and you're playing a more, more unique lineup that also gets leverage off of, of the other choppy lineups. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that idea of the cheaper running backs. You could like Jarek McKinnon and Deandre Swift. You could go Devin Singletary. There's different ways you could go down there. Um, it's interesting to me that Marquise Goodwin is coming in currently with lower ownership projections than Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins is 4,100 Marquise Goodwin's 4,300 uh, Geno Smith has top 228 passing yards in nine of his last 12 games. Uh, it's a concentrated offense. They're going to be chasing points against Kansas City. Marquise Goodwin, he, last time when DK Metcalf got hurt, Geno threw only 27 passes in that game, second fewest pass attempts. He's thrown in any game this season. Marquise Goodwin went four for 67 and two touchdowns. Like This is the guy who's legitimately capable of going six for 100 and two touchdowns. 
at 4,300. Isaiah Hodgins, I don't think he's topped like 42, 43 yards this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I truly don't get it. And whether it's one thing, right, if we're not paying up for Stefan Diggs or paying up for Josh Allen, right? It's it's like these guys are priced for a, a standard matchup in standard weather. Well, they've got a good matchup, but bad weather, right? So their chance of hitting their salary multiplier, whatever. Shahid, I, I actually, yeah, I like that play this week because like you said, and Chris Olave's out, Jarvis Landry's out, uh, Andy Dalton's passing yardage prop last I looked was 146 and a half yards, which is lower than he's had in any game all season. And yet, like, where are those 146 passing yards going to come from? They're going to just have to scheme up short area throws to Shahid, try to get blockers in front of him, give him a chance. Like, I could see him getting five targets, six targets, like, of the short area variety. And if he busts some of these, those are some big plays. So, uh, like, whether these windy weather games, like, there are still ways to play them. And then the, the cold game, like Kansas City, nobody cares about cold. It, 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 like, you look through historical numbers, it has, like, very little little to no impact on scoring. And yet people are going to play Isaiah Hodgins over Marquise Goodwin. Uh, to me, that's that's pretty wild. I, I To me, I see the this Seattle-Kansas City game as, like, the game to target. Uh you know, I would love to have one Seattle piece on just about any roster I build. Um, and then how about this? Juju Smith-Schuster, he played limited snaps in weeks 12 and 13. He was hurt in week 11. So we can throw out those games. He got hurt in week 10. We throw out those games and his last five games, 25 DraftKings points, 28, 18, 22, 17. Like those are the last five games where he played a full complement of snaps, his worst game was 17 DraftKings, 17.8 DraftKings points. He's 5,800. I think people are just kind of overlooking him. Uh, but yeah, I really like that game as like uh, single entry. You're finding the one spot to focus on. That's one of the games that I really like. Uh, Mahomes, Gino are, are two of the sharpest quarterback plays on this slate. You've mentioned Chase a few times. I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts there. When um, Patriots defense, not a defense I'm scared of for wide receivers, but they've held... Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre, uh, not DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams. Uh, actually, DeAndre Hopkins as well. It held them all down. Jefferson scored 31 points. Everybody else scored like kind of in that 20 to 25 point range. So it's like guys don't get completely shut out by the Patriots the way that they do against the Jets, but it's harder for them to have like a tournament winning score. Um, any thoughts on that with Jamar Chase where I don't think he'll be like low owned this week, obviously lower owned than normal, but um, still draw some ownership. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I was using more as an example of a player that I think can break a slate. Uh, gotcha. And, yeah, it's going to be low. And I, I put like Travis Kelsey in that same bucket. Uh, guys that I would spend up for in place of like Christian McCaffrey um, or Derek Henry or, or Justin Jefferson. Not that I want to exclude all three of those guys from my rosters, but I think, I think the three of them are going to be very highly owned with this like very tenuous chalk. And what I would do is maybe play like two of them, pay up for another player. Like pay up for like Dalvin Cook, pay up for Saquon Barkley is an interesting uh, play. I Not necessarily that I love Saquon Barkley, but like what if he gets, like it's definitely conceivable he'd get two, three touchdowns and that's the Giants offense. And then suddenly the, these Isaiah Hodgins, um, yeah. <laughs> Richie James you know, rosters, like the Darius Slayton, like suddenly like, oh, wow. Okay, so you know, if you run – you know, if you run Saquon Barkley against Justin Jefferson, that's the thing that could hit with that game still going off and being like the game you need to have. But it's it's very different from a lot of the roster constructions you're going to see this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I I would be 
perfectly content to have zero percent Richie James Jr. <laughs> and um, like thirty five percent less than <laughs> yeah, like sub three percent uh, Isaiah Hodgins and sub five percent Darius Slayton. Um, it's just, and it's not that I think those are bad plays. It's just like they're not great plays. And if the field is on them, the the edge and like if I lose a week because those guys because that's the chalk that hits. I'm okay with that. Um, there's other weeks where it's like, hey, this is pretty solid chalk, and I'll, I'll ride the chalk here and be different in other spots. But weeks with really fragile chalk, if the really fragile chalk is the reason I lose, if it hits, it's the reason I lose, I'm 100% fine with that week in and week out because that's always going to make you money over time to avoid really fragile chalk. Um, another guy who I think is interesting is A.J. Brown. I think that with Minshew under center, you know, Jalen Hurts is averaging 11 rush attempts per game. Um, last year, Miles Sanders had 24 carries in Minshew's start. His second most carries in a game last year was 18. So that's a 33% boost from his other highest carry game. Uh, so Miles Sanders gets probably a few more carries than normal, but also maybe a few more pass attempts than normal. And I think that people will look to Goddard, but not to AJ Brown. Cause they don't want to like, well, Minshew's under center. I don't want to spend this big salary on AJ Brown. Um, I think he's interesting. I think, you know, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown had a great game environment for him to have a huge game, but He's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some fun ways that you can get different on this slate on tighter builds where it's like, hey, this is just a sharper way to play this slate. Um, and yeah, I mean, some of those guys, some of the running backs you mentioned, really like the Dalvin Cook call. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard, uh, just a number of guys who are interesting this week outside of just these, like the clear chalky way to build for sure. Yeah, I think it, you know, it all kind of starts at quarterback. Like you mentioned Minshew, I think he'll be highly owned. I think the ownership is going to go Daniel Jones and then Minshew, uh, which is like, I, yeah, like why would you not play Patrick Mahomes? Like you can find some chalk, like some value plays. Um, they don't have to be the chalky value plays. Find some value such as Marquis Goodwin, and then you can pay up for, for Mahomes or at least Geno Smith. Uh, I, I think it's a great it's a great slate for single entry to play like, you know, to, to get different a quarterback, especially if that different means you're not playing Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're still playing optimal plays. Yeah. Like Minshew makes some sense to me because he's actually much cheaper. He's priced to be the backup. Um, then there's a sudden change. So like Minshew should, you know, could still go out and get 250 yards, two touchdowns and like 4,800 or, or on DraftKings. Or I think it's like, you know, 6,000 or sub 6,000 on, on FanDuel. Um, like that's you could like you can play Minshew you can like stack him with Goddard or AJ Brown and then still have a game stack from another game and that's a way that a roster can hit like Minshew just does enough at his salary and you're playing and playing him at his salary allows you to play like Travis Kelsey and like Kelsey gets two three touchdowns um, from Mahomes then instead of having to have Mahomes you just had to have Kelsey um, or you know you just had to have like Justin Jefferson or something like that so you're playing Minshew with AJ Brown or Goddard uh, stacking another game and, and getting the points, you know, from a, an offense where the same guy gets multiple touchdowns. Um, yeah. I, I don't like the Jan- Daniel Jones call. Uh, and there was, there's kind of limited quarterbacks because I, you know, I'm going to avoid the quarterbacks in the really low point total games, Yeah, uh, but I, while still going for maybe some of the running backs or, or wide receivers, um, there's really a, a limited pool of quarterbacks Um and yeah, so I, I like the idea of spending up or just playing one of the other less chalkier quarterbacks. Yeah, I wish that Taysom Hill were 4K instead of 4,800. Because <laughs> this week with the, with the weather and no Mark Ingram and no wide receivers, 
I could see them leaning on Taysom Hill, right? Like, and, ju- and just giving him one of these like 14 to 30 point DraftKings games, but it's not worth the risk. Maybe like one millimaker roster, but it's not worth the risk um, otherwise. But yeah, if he were 4K, he would actually be a really interesting way to go. A quarterback on this weird slate this week, especially in large field play, not in single entry. But yeah, single entry, uh, single entry, three entry max, tighter builds. Like I would be fine going 100% Mahomes and Geno and just being like, okay, you guys try to beat beat my scores that I'm getting here, right? Because like we know that Geno is still putting up 22 to 24 points most weeks, even if he's not putting up like a 28 pointer. We know that Mahomes is going to put up 30 points at a higher clip than really anybody else in the NFL. And so it's like, if everyone wants to get cute with Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones, and I, I do like the Minshew play as well, but if everybody wants to get cute with some of these other spots, it's like, uh, cool. You like, if you guys match what I do with Gino and Mahomes, fine. Like then I can try to beat you in other spots, but it's hard for me to see me falling behind the field if I'm playing Gino and Mahomes and they're playing cousins and, and Daniel Jones, right? Like worst case, worst case, I'm like matching them. And then um, I can separate in, in another spot, but in most scenarios, I'm going to separate there. Uh, Jared Goff is the only other guy who really like, like I could, if I play like 10 rosters that go into single entry, three entry max, I might have one burrow build out of those 10, but really like if I'm talking about single entry, three entry Goff is the other guy who kind of stands out to me. Um, and then larger field, I could see some Huntley. I could see uh, like a couple other fun things where you could take on a low floor to target some upside. But yeah, it's like Mahomes, Geno, Minshew, and Goff for me on on tighter builds. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a week to have a, a more concentrated quarterback pool. I, I would maybe throw in some Justin Fields, um, use Justin Fields, and then just with no other pieces, or maybe just Cole Komet, uh, and then you know, from, from the bears. And then you can actually fit in a, another game stack or a mini game stack in that same lineup. I actually like the idea. There's, there's players in Washington that I like, like Tyron McLaurin um, and, and Dotson. I, and Dotson I, there's yeah. players on San Francisco. I like, like Christian McCaffrey uh, and George Kittle. Actually, I think uh, Scott yeah. Barrett had a thing uh, pointing out the splits between with George Kittle when Debo is playing and when Debo is limited or, or not playing. And it makes sense. Like George Kittle is one of those guys that seems to come out of nowhere suddenly and break a slate a few times a year and then just goes back to blocking. Um, but I, I like the idea of like you could play a Justin Fields and then have like a San Francisco Washington mini stack and then maybe another mini stack from another game. Yeah. Uh, Mike Johnson also highlighted on, on OWS this week that I think it's the, the last seven games that Debo has been limited or out. Uh, uh, Kittle's averaging, I think it's 21.6 DraftKings points per game across those seven games. That's a like decent size sample size too um, at his price tag. And then also there's guys who like people want to play Chris Moore at 4,700, but not Brandon Cooks at 4,900. People want to play Isaiah Hodgins at 4,100, but not Brandon Cooks at 4,900. So I, I, think, I think guys like Brandon Cooks, Drake London are interesting. Like, yeah, there's just a lot of fun ways to be different on this slate while playing plays that are either as good as or better than what the field is going to be uh, chasing this week. I think that Shahid, I think that Dotson, I think that Goodwin, uh, Drake London, Brandon Cooks, all these guys are interesting to me. All of them open up salary for some of these other things that you want to do. And none of them are going to be as highly owned as like Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James Jr. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, to me, there's plenty to like on this slate from a standpoint of ugly slate, but I feel like the direction that the field is going gives us like a really nice path to first place by just saying, um, okay, cool. Like, like it's not bad what the field is doing, but it's not, 
this isn't a normal week of chalk. This is very fragile chalk week. And so um, there are plays that are as good as or better than those plays that we can get on instead and, and be different. And, and then we're competing in a smaller part of the field. And then it's just like, how do we beat that portion of the field to get to first place? Yeah, there's actually one other value wide receiver. Is it Taquan Thornton on New England? I think he was highly drafted. And, you know, we've seen a bunch of the rookie wide receivers start to, to take over a little bit. Um, but I think Thornton hasn't seemed to have done that in New England. And they, they do seem to have like a stable of guys. But I, I know like you pay a little bit of attention to the Patriots. Um, do you have any thoughts on him? I know that's a, kind of a random uh, wide receiver. To, to yeah, no, I mean, I actually played, I had like 20% Thornton in week six when he put up 21.3 points, but that was his second game. And it was like, oh, the Patriots are going to start featuring him and kind of involving him. And in that game, he had five targets. He had two carries, no, three carries. Um, that was the last time he had a carry, which is really bizarre to me. It was like they, so he was a second round pick. People felt like it was a reach. Uh, he's a speed guy. And it was kind of this thing of like, oh, well, the Patriots are going to find ways to get him the ball in space, right? They're going to have a plan for how to use him. And then it looked like that in his first game, he had two targets and three, no, he had uh, no no carries in that first game. The second game, he had five targets, three carries. And then the carries have dried up, the targets have dried up. So yeah, I mean, I think he, he's on the field all the time, but it's a lot of short area throws, kind of like, hey, see if you can go score a touchdown with with this. Um, I think that offense is a little dysfunctional, but I'm not against the Taekwon Thornton play. I'm not against the, the Aguilar play either. Like Aguilar, basically most of his games is six to eight points. And then he has an 18 pointer, a 26 pointer, um, but with Devontae Parker out, I mean, they really want Jacoby to be their 1A, Parker to be their 1B. With Parker out, like Thornton and Aguilar are going to have opportunities here. So, yeah, I'm not against Tyquan Thornton. I'm not against Aguilar either. Um, probably not going to be on my tighter builds, but the ceiling is is there. The floor is just really low. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he might not, might not get a catch, so maybe not somebody worth trying to sneak in in, in single entry, but maybe for – for multi-entry builds, he's somebody. I yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and opposite, like opposite of Burrow and Chase build, I think that one of these Patriots wideouts becomes really interesting because then you set up a scenario where the Patriots are chasing points, they're having to throw a little bit more, and uh, maybe one of these guys can hit in response. Okay. All right. Any final thoughts on the week? No. Uh, it's fun to do the show. It's always fun to do it um, with a little bit more information in hand. Uh, so Merry Christmas to all and. To all see at the top of the leaderboards. Yeah, happy holidays. Uh, happy DraftKings and FanDuel uh, holidays. Uh, yeah, <laughs> see you guys next week.